Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Ansel Birch. And it's time to party! Nope, wrong nope. franchise. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Someone's gonna get We're mad off to a one. great start. Yeah, someone <laughs> will be mad. Uh, they they don't need to be, but they will be. So Ben, when you when you first pitched this uh, this episode for this month, uh, you said you can explain the finale of Picard to me, and I was curious uh, as we go into more of the review part of the of our coverage. Uh, what was it that you meant by that? What are the parts that were sort of curious to you as a as a uh, a sort of newer Trek viewer? And uh, what are the what are the things that made you want it explained? I guess. Yeah, you know, you touched on it a little bit when we were talking about um, the the Guardian at the Gate. Uh, that was one of the things uh, mm-hmm. that I wanted to bring up. Because I wasn't sure if that was a reference to something that I didn't know about. Um, but also, another moment in particular that I was thinking of was Wesley Crusher. Um, oh, yeah. Is he a Time Lord now? Is that... Kinda. Is his whole thing uh, an established uh, Star Trek... I don't know. Has that been discussed already? Like, Yeah, so Wesley Crusher, um, in one of his last appearances on TNG... Um, he met a, uh, a being who traveled through space and time and, uh, was called the traveler and the traveler had been injured and Wesley Crusher and he worked to fix the enterprise, uh, before the traveler was well enough to go on his way. Um, and, uh, Wesley Crusher is this, you know, incredible scientist has enormous understanding of warp field so on and so forth uh so the traveler is like hey kid you're pretty cool you want to come be a traveler um and uh so the implication here is that that wesley crusher when he sort of disappears from the show uh became a traveler and uh yeah. The only thing that causes problems here is that we did see older Wesley Crusher at one point at like a graduation ceremony. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was, but they were all in dress uniforms and we saw Wesley Crusher as like a guest at this gala thing. Um, so I don't know, maybe he popped in for this special occasion or whatever, but um yeah, they so the this is this is sort of tying into that traveler episode, um, and on top of that, it's also tying in the concept of watchers, which is something that happened in TOS uh, mm. as well as here. Um, so it's sort of picking up two loose threads and tying them together, which is which is nice. It's very um, tidy in that way. Using Wesley as the glue, uh, yeah. for those those loose ends. I am curious at what point they decided to add this because it was very clear to me that uh, Will Wheaton was not able to come back for reshoots mm. of that scene. Because uh, if you if you pay close attention in all of the shots 
over his shoulder, uh, it's definitely not Will Wheaton. Oh. It's different beard, different jawline. The collar on the jacket is different. The material of the jacket is, I think, a little different. Um, it really stood out to me. Again, I watched it two extra times, which is probably my fault. Um, but it definitely felt like that was not Will Wheaton in the foreground of those over-the-shoulder shots. I'm trying to think of what other moments um, were things like, oh, I don't really remember that, or was that a reference to a thing? Um as a longtime fan, were there any moments uh, in the show that you thought would be like, oh, this would probably be confusing for new watchers? So I have a weakness, uh, and that is that I generally like to assume that people will ignore the stuff that doesn't get in the way of their understanding the moment. Uh, and I feel like this show did a good job of putting things in that would be cool for us if we've watched it, mm. but not get in the way if you haven't. Um, with the exception of... And I think, honestly, I, I think you you probably got just as much information out of Wesley Crusher showing up mm-hmm. uh, as you would have. Uh, you just maybe didn't get the same excitement. Um, and I think that's true of all of the references that we got. You know, it's similar to when Seven of Nine showed up in the first place. Um, you know, that was prob- that was really, really cool for those of us who knew who Seven of Nine already was. Mm-hmm. And for people who didn't, I'm fairly certain that they did a good job introducing her to the show in such a way that new viewers would be able to still interface with the character right you'd Mm -hmm. still understand what her deal is and why she's there we got flashbacks we got people explaining you know the number of times that they had to call out specifically you you used to be a borg you know borg stuff with your borg implants do you know anything about you know like they constantly called it out right something that i caught in rewatching the uh because i also rewatched episode one today to sort of look for things that they had looped around. Mm -hmm. I did think it was interesting that they called out that the reason that the Stargazer was special, uh, which is the the ship that they were on initially and that they bopped back to uh, at the end of the episode, uh, is that it had been using technology claimed from a Borg artifact, which was a, a dead Borg cube. Yes. Uh, which run is a by plot Hugh. point. Yeah, run by Hugh. Yeah. I guess we covered all of that, but I thought it was interesting that they brought it up. I don't think it came up again in the, in the last episode. I think it was just in the first episode to explain why the queen, now we know Gerardi, uh was able to hack into the ship's systems. Mm. So yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. It, you know, I feel like a lot of my Star Trek fan friends haven't come around on picard that much but you know maybe it's it's because uh i don't know any better but i've i've enjoyed both seasons of picard i really love it i'm uh, yeah and and i'm prepared to be wrong about that but um i i don't dislike this long arc storytelling that they're doing yeah at all i think it's I mean, got a lot of benefits I've, uh, here I am coming from shows like WandaVision 
and mm-hmm. Agent Carter, you know, because like, while, for example, one of Stella's many things is Star Trek, you know, that's one of her main things. That's yeah. like one of her core things, you know, and she I feel has like more than one Star Trek tattoo. Yes, exactly. Uh, and if if I were to have more than one tattoo of something, it would probably be Marvel. So, you know. Uh, I, I totally get the hardcore uh, longtime fans and the I, and I, I now understand the appeal of Star Trek. Mm. You know, um, I'm glad to hear that because I don't know why. No, I do know why, because uh, when I was younger, it was always like, oh, Star Wars or Star Trek. Like you had to choose like yeah. it was some kind of gang. But honestly, all sci-fi and fantasy should be open to everyone and gatekeep gatekeeping is stupid so it, it really is like I think marvel versus from... dc like <clears throat> why george perez and kurt busick brought them together in a lovely uh crossover that was like a one of a kind even though they did it like three times but like <laughs> uh jla avengers is like the 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 seminal crossover you know yeah um, I, I think it came from a, a concept of scarcity that wasn't real. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, you know, 60s and 70s and 80s, um, it was so hard to get your fandom to feel um, like it was recognized mm-hmm. that there was this sense that there wasn't room enough for both Star Trek and Star Wars and Babylon 5 and all of the other, you know, uh, series that were going on. Um, and to a certain extent, that's true. You know, if you look at, um, if you look at how that all shook out, it's pretty obvious looking back that, you know, Babylon 5 and a lot of the, a lot of the other sci-fi properties that didn't have the same following didn't get didn't get rebooted didn't get you know follow-up shows you know a lot of them are dead and in obscurity now uh as opposed to you know having four new series ongoing simultaneously the way that star wars and star trek currently Mm -hmm. have uh but now we live in a in a time when that's I think that scarce even that illusion of scarcity is gone. There's there's no question that there's plenty of room in the sandbox for all of your space adventures. Uh and what a time. What a time to be alive. Oh man. It, it's like for a number of reasons uh the world is terrible. But but there are some things that just make being alive right now so worth it. Especially if you're a nerd who was made fun of relentlessly for liking nerd shit uh, because nerd culture became pop culture, you know, and you have people who made fun of you in in grade school and high school uh, now ranting and raving about how good the latest superhero thing is or how they're reading a comic book finally, you know, Um, it's it's wild to me it truly is it truly truly is uh 
so I'm curious, uh, again, given, given your, uh, exposure, how did you feel about the alternate timeline that we came in on, uh, after the first episode, uh, uh talking I, about this? I thought it was interesting. Um, like, you know, as, as we started to learn more about the thing that changed, um, you know, it, I mean, I guess it was kind of, uh, kind of a given that it would be connected to Picard, right? I mean, the name of the show. One would <laughs> hope. Yeah, but, um, you know, it, <laughs> my initial thought on, on that being such a big part of the season was like, oh, maybe, maybe they didn't get as much in the budget and they needed to set some of it in the near modern day to recoup some costs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, a little bit, probably like, you know, uh, like I said earlier, I, I love a good holodeck episode. And so in a way for this to bring star Trek to the quote unquote modern day, because of course it's still like a few years into our future. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was it's kind of funny to see um, things like tricorders and phasers and teleporters uh, mm-hmm. in in quote unquote our world. Um, but you know, I uh, I had fun with it. You know, I I love an alternate timeline. I love a multiverse. Um, and I mean, clearly by the the topic of these podcasts i love time travel mm-hmm. so um it i appreciate it when time travel has consequences you know and this showed the consequence of q changing this one thing and mm-hmm. how much different things can turn out you know uh ashton kutcher's the butterfly effect <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which I mean, the that is a concept that they invoke throughout the series, which I thought was really cool. The way that they referred to stuff left behind and mistakes they made as butterflies. They should have called them kutchers. <laughs> Make sure you collect up all the kutchers. You can't leave a single kutcher behind. We can't be punked. <laughs> All right, now we need to make that show. <laughs> Starring Jean-Luc Picard? Sure, if we can get him. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that uh, they kind of showed their cards to us in that first episode. Uh, or in that, not first episode, but in that first reveal. Because when Picard is at Chateau Picard, and uh, he sees all of the trophy skulls. All of those races are races that had been enemies of the Federation at one time, but became allies. Uh, And most of them were ones that we saw that happen through the course of the show. Like the Klingons were the big bads for the original series, and then TNG showed us that they had, you know, come to peace and now Worf was our first uh, uh, Klingon uh, Starfleet member. 
then uh, TNG introduced the Ferengi, who were supposed to be the big, scary bad guys. But it turns out they were too cartoonish. Uh, so they didn't last very long. And then in Deep Space Nine, we find out that the Ferengi we've come to peace with. And now we're friends. And we see a Ferengi uh, join Starfleet. And, you know, uh, we've seen these races who are, you know, the big, scary bad guy come to terms with who the Federation is and discover a way into that that uh, Starfleet mentality uh, so many times. And to see it happen with the Borg is, you know, really impressive and cool, uh, especially given what, what happened in season one. Yep. Um, but uh, I thought it was especially interesting that they, like, tipped the cards towards us early in the in the season before making the full transition at the end of the season here to seeing that these new Borg are now allies and petitioning to be part of the Federation. And Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. I thought that Jurati was going to fail um, and the Borg were going to continue to be the big bad Borg, you know, like, like I mean, Borg why is you so powerful that? that they they even extinguish the the hopeful light of of Jurati, you know. But but no, that's not where they went. It, they went in a much more hopeful direction, you yeah. know. And and we need some of that, you know. I I appreciate it when when our media can still be hopeful in the face of the world being terrible. And that's really what we go into these things for, right? Like, to to see better versions of our world and what it could be. I mean, that is that is what Star Trek is meant to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's about empathy and communication overcoming differences. Yes, that's what Starfleet is. Uh, you know, it's so much part of their ethos that like. It's frequently a plot point in in episodes that, you know, yeah, this person came in real hot and shot at us and tried to be a dick, but we are Starfleet and we are not going to engage in in combat unless it's absolutely necessary and unless we, we've tried ta- uh, 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 diplomacy first. Um, you know, it takes a lot of doing to get a, a believable fight going with Starfleet unless you've either A, established that the, the bad guy already did some horrific thing, or B, there's an admiral who's gone absolutely crazy with power and decided to take over, um, which is why I think admirals should be tested for mental acuity on a daily basis uh, in, in, this, in this universe. <laughs> the number of times where that was a plot point, where it was just like, admiral shows up, admiral is bad guy Hmm. that's the episode and you know i i think that's um that that element of hope is what drew me or at least kept me uh on board with star trek you know it's it's nice to to have that Mm -hmm. uh in in a piece of media you know like uh i'm i'm reminded of that one review about turning red uh by i think it was oh right yeah 
Yeah. The the dude who couldn't relate to the story because he wasn't a teenage girl and, he, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and, and like you said, empathy is important. Um, the world needs more of it. And Star Trek is doing its job by providing and teaching that as much as they can. Um, I wanted to touch on a moment in the finale. At least I think it was the finale. It could have been the penultimate episode. Uh, where Seven becomes a captain. Yeah, that was in the finale. That was in the finale, yes. Okay. He, he gives I, her I watched the, the last promotion. three at the same time. So... <laughs> They kind of blended together. Um, I really like how even after uh, Janeway stuck her neck out for for Seven of Nine uh, and she didn't get to join Starfleet at the time, uh, that she finally gets to be a part of this thing yeah. that she's actually been a part of all throughout Voyager and after. You yeah. Know? Well, and it's... It it really is about the triumph over prejudice in in that one, and you're right. It's it's all it's almost sad that we had to see it happen as a field promotion and not mm-hmm. like someone officially from Starfleet being like seven of nine. We are sorry, we were dicks. Um, but regardless, she does get the captaincy that she deserves and wants. Uh, and like that's that's good enough, I guess, in the long yeah. run. Uh, so hopefully next season we see her and Rafi on a ship uh, with Elnor. Speaking yeah. of Elnor, why didn't we get more Elnor? Like, was Evan Evagora like off shooting something else, and they had to write him out? Like, Maybe. I loved Elnor in season one, and I was looking forward to seeing more of Elnor and and um, the the characters played by Issa Briones. Um, oh, yeah. we saw, we saw the one, um, for the most part, but you know, these are two extremely young, I mean, extremely talented young actors, um, that were highlights of the first season for me. And I didn't get enough of them in season two. Mm-hmm. I hope season three, even though it will be largely focused on uh, the next-gen reunion, uh, it seems yep. like. I hope that characters like Elnor will get to shine still. I would hope so as well, and I wonder if... I guess I'm curious where big Star Trek is going from here. Mm. Because we're doing a lot of... TOS era stuff we've done discovery was in TOS era uh strange new worlds is is in TOS era I wonder if characters like Elnor and um you know all of the younger characters are being set up for whatever our next thing in this time period is Mm -hmm. Because right now we've got a lot of stuff going on in TOS. We've got some stuff going on in the far distant future, but very little going on in this, you know, immediately post Voyager DS9 era. 
so I I have to wonder if there isn't going to be something done with uh, with these characters going forward. Do you think there will be some like end game level crossover between uh, things that, or maybe not end game, but maybe like a defenders level crossover with the TV shows that take place in the same era? The ones that take place in the same era, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that they would be, they would be fools not to. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for. As for the, like, cross time... Yeah, we don't necessarily need that. Yeah, I don't think that that needs to happen. Um, although I could certainly see it happening. Mm. The, it, I wouldn't put it past them to have, you know, uh, a time rift somewhere where Captain Pike has to help someone from the far distant future or whatever. Um, At the very especially least... Especially given what's going on with Discovery right now. That would not be... Mm the weirdest thing they've done at the very least i could see uh isa Brionis, uh as Corey song and wesley crusher popping up somewhere in the timeline you know um, for sure i for sure i almost i mean this is almost like uh arrowverse-esque but i i i could almost see the uh the travelers getting their own like legends of tomorrow type show you know, because they have to protect that the timeline. That I time would line. watch. That I would watch. Well, and there's been a lot of noise about wanting more Wesley Crusher. Um, to the point where there was a, a petition, as I recall, to get Wesley Crusher added to Picard Season oh. 2. Uh, and as far as I know, it was a complete surprise to everybody that he was in th- this episode. Now, uh, I thought that a lot of Star Trek fans disliked Wesley Crusher. That is true, but we all like Will Wheaton. Oh, okay. Which is an important distinction. Ah, got you. See, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not in tune with all of the, yeah, all of the Will things Wheaton, like that. Yeah. Will Wheaton has made a huge impact on the fandom, on nerddom in general. Sure. He's been such an enormous, uh, advocate for nerd culture uh it's sort of undeniable the impact that will wheaton has had over the last even 10 15 years yeah and we're Um, not going to hold big bang theory against him yeah who who could who could i mean we everybody got excited about that at one point it's true um and uh so yeah so i think will wheaton was the thing that we all got excited about but I think the other thing that's happened recently is that a lot of us have re-examined uh, Wesley Crusher, uh, who was objectively obnoxious mm. as a kid. Um, but I think that there's there's been sort of a renaissance of appreciation for Will for Wesley Crusher in the fandom lately, uh, and I don't know what is fueling that. If it's like a general you know, increasing understanding of neurodivergency or people uh, as they are coming to a greater understanding of their neurodivergency associating with Wesley Crusher or f- being able to finally utilize him as a an, uh, uh, proxy or, um, 
or if it's just in general us all looking back on it now this many years later and going, well, I guess he wasn't that annoying. Um, I couldn't say. Honestly, I I don't know that I've seen anybody making a neurodivergency argument for Wesley Crusher, but I think that there could be one made. Um, Are you a Buffy fan also? You know, uh, yes, I, I will admit to being a Buffy fan as well. Yes. So that's another fandom that I came to super late, right? Um, I didn't watch Buffy as it aired, but that was another show. Oh, same. Oh, I, really? I was shown Buffy. Uh, yeah, I was shown Buffy when I first started dating my now wife. Ah. Uh, because it was necessary viewing for me to understand her Is was <laughs> how it was... Uh, placed in front of me cool uh yeah like um i don't know just kind of like in the same way how i decided to watch wings um i just decided to watch buffy at at one point and um although i did make the mistake of not watching angel at the same time um i don't think that was a mistake oh really uh Because, like, I want, uh, at the end of Buffy, I was just like, oh, maybe I'll just go back and, and watch Angel, and I, I don't really have a desire to. Um, but I bring this up because uh, from the outside looking in, it seemed like Wesley Crusher was getting a lot of the same uh, reaction as Dawn Summers. Mm, yeah. Um, and I didn't really understand the hate until I, I watched their respective shows. And I, I didn't necessarily hate the characters either, but um, I was just curious about the the fans and their reactions to the, these characters who were yeah. children at the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just seemed like well, there was a lot of hate going around for these kids. <laughs> I think the thing about Wesley Crusher was that when we were kids, it felt like it felt like Wesley Crusher was the after school character mm. who had somehow found his way into Star Trek. Mm. And so like whenever there was an, a, a Wesley Crusher episode, you knew that they were going to try and relate to you kids of the actual real world and, and help you with a, a thing that's relevant to your actual life. And, uh, you know, that's great. That's what Star Trek is for. Um, but I think as kids, it it maybe felt different because the adult stuff wasn't hitting that way. So the Wesley Crusher episodes felt like they were talking down to you almost as a kid, mm. I think. And I can only speak to my own experience there as as just sort of finding Wesley's episodes being a little cringy. They mm. always felt a little like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, give me a metaphor for why drugs are bad. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess that's where uh, my viewing of Star Trek was very different because I had people telling me what to watch and what not to watch, and I didn't yeah, get a ton of get Wesley. get the curated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can can imagine not. There's the the episode where space video games cause a big problem on the ship. There's the space drugs cause a big problem on the ship. There's there's a lot of Wesley being okay with being smart. 
uh, and learning to learning to be confident in the intelligence that he has. Yeah, uh, I don't know why. And that famous I, the famous episode where where Picard tells him to shut up. Yeah, that, uh, I saw that one. Yeah, uh, he was all busy being right at the time. Uh, I just remembered a really funny moment uh, from when I, I started watching. Uh, I I came across Tasha Yar. Yeah. And I texted Stella and I was like, oh, I like this character. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like, oh, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> I like that she said just wait and not don't get attached. I mean, essentially, that's what she was saying. <laughs> And I'm like, why? What could happen? And then, and then we. This get is it. clearly a main character. What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. She wouldn't get. She wouldn't get stuck in the windows background. Surely. The windows backgrounds. I mean, <laughs> tell me that's not the environment that Tasha Yar's memory is kept in. Hundred percent. It absolutely is. Although I did find it interesting how they managed to incorporate the actress in the show later on down the line. That was fun. I'm, I'm a sucker for, for stuff like that, you know? Uh, Warwick and I were just talking about uh, Indiana Jones and how he greatly dislikes uh, Crystal Skull. Um, mm, and, which is fair. And my, my, I guess this is a hot take, apparently, at least in our apartment, um, that I prefer Crystal Skull over Temple of Doom. Because um, I liked revisiting those legacy characters and finding out what these characters were doing later in life and rejoining Indy for new adventures and stuff like that. You know, I like seeing Sala and Marion, you know. Sure. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I prefer it, but I think, um, and this is my hot take on Crystal Skull, uh, I think Crystal Skull knew exactly what it was and tried to find a new way to do what Indiana Jones always does, which is bad guy tries to exploit someone else's idea of godhood. That idea of godhood fucks them up and melts them starting with their eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was space aliens, but... Tell me that it doesn't follow the pattern. Right. And I mean, to be clear, um, Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull are my least favorite Indiana Jones movies. Like, sure. I, I, but I'll still watch them because I love Indiana Jones. I think, I think Temple has <laughs> a lot of really great scenes, Thanks but it's not a strong movie. Yeah. Whereas Raiders and Last Crusade are strong movies that have, you know, strong scenes throughout. I mean, an argument can be made that Raiders and Crusade are like masterpieces. I would I would follow that argument, yeah. Oh, they're just so good. <laughs> so good. So good. I remember in college, I, I wrote uh, a dream sequence that was a spoof on, um, on Raiders for a uh for a filipino american culture show oh okay basically basically this show is an excuse to like uh put 
Filipino cultural dances and like modern hip hop dances into a very loose storyline. And I got the okay. idea when I was, you know, part of the group to like make an actual like storyline storyline <laughs> instead of making it like really Madness. loose. So like I wrote a script <laughs> like that was definitely way sure. more um, involved <laughs> than some of the past shows. Also, I didn't write it by myself. We had a whole committee. It was great. <laughs> but I had a scene that opened the second act that was basically the boulder scene. <laughs> oh, great. But we we didn't really have a budget, so all of our props were like cardboard. Sure. So having a giant cardboard Was it just a giant cardboard ball or was it Oh, it was one a circle. Circle of cardboard that somebody yep. rolled like a wagon wheel. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was very That fun. is the right answer. That is the right answer. Yeah. I miss college sometimes. <laughs> right? There's some shit that you just can't do in, in real grown-up life. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, running through a fountain in your underwear Yeah. after a party. <laughs> it makes me think, if time cannot give us second chances, maybe people can. Aww. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Jean-Luc Picard, for that little pearl. Yeah, way to go, JL. Yeah, good. good. I love that Rafi is the only person ever to call him JL. It's so fun. But like when she, when I first started watching the show, I was like Green Lantern, and I'm like, no, wait, that's GL. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I mean, Picard um, can totally be a Green Lantern. That I would absolutely buy that crossover. <laughs> um, so the the thesis that we get at the end of the show is that this is about forgiveness. Yes. Um, do you think that that's accurate? Yeah, because I, you know, a lot of what. Q puts Picard through is in order for Picard to forgive himself. And that can mm -hmm. be the hardest type of forgiveness to dole out, you know? Um, a lot of times you can be your own worst critic, and that a lot of times involves uh, not letting yourself off the hook for things that you did in the past, you know? Uh, whether you could have controlled them or not. Maybe you just blamed mm -hmm. yourself for something that uh, that you can control, like Picard did. Do you think that's also true for the other characters? You know, um, I think for the other characters, it was more so forgiveness. Uh, well, here it is. Forgiveness comes in many shapes and sizes, right? So we uh, got to see it on a number of different levels. Uh Seven of Nine got to reconcile her her human and Borg side that have always been an yeah. issue for her, right? Uh, Rafi um, came to forgive Starfleet in a way. You know, yeah. like this. This is going back to season one, also. Like she she was so out of it before. But now she's come back around to be part of it. 
Um, but yeah. also she's, um, she's in a way forgiven herself for not, um, for not giving herself the care she needs, you know? Yeah. So like she well, lets herself think... be vulnerable at the end with seven. I think she also, she also gets the opportunity to forgive herself for putting Elnor in harm's way. Yeah. Which granted is not by her own action but is something i'm glad that they wrapped up at the end of the season right and then on on the on the flip side uh cory song did not forgive yeah. her father nor, nor should, should she, she you know she. Uh, <laughs> yeah so that uh that just runs the the spectrum of forgiveness you know each character touches on that in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that be the theme of this season, I think would be accurate. And then ultimately, Laris forgives Jean-Luc for not kissing her that night. Mm-hmm. Aww. But yeah, so I guess it, it makes sense to wrap things up uh, by talking about the time travel real quick. And I was just curious how you felt about the time travel um, given the given the way that time travel has been used in Star Trek up till now, how much time travel have you been exposed to in your Star Trek viewing? Um, I, you know, I think most of it is holodeck stuff, you know, where they don't really time travel, but like they just go to a different time period. Um, so have you seen first contact? Yes. Okay. Um, so we did some time travel in that one. Right. We there's did some also inadvertent time travel in generations. And there's also time travel with Dr. Fraser Crane. Cause he's a he's a captain, yeah. right? That's right, he is. Um and and he's almost like the the Star Trek universe's uh Captain America in that he's a man out of time. <laughs> I guess his ship the, would be which, would be the Captain America. Which happens more often than I would like to admit. That is that is a trope that they like to go back to. They they keep going back to that well. Oh, sure do. Sure. The best one the best one is the banker who's been cryo frozen uh and is a real a hole to everybody because he's convinced that he's rich and he's could he could buy the whole ship. <laughs> uh and it's just such a beautiful moment. When he finds out that they don't use actual money anymore, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it it's a it's one of those opportunities where Picard gets to go. Well, ah, <laughs> uh, this gets awkward, but <laughs> yeah, uh, about that. Tough news, buddy. <laughs> uh. Um, you know, for a show that isn't about time travel, I think they utilized it well. Um, as mm-hmm. uh, relate as it relates to previously established Star Trek canon, um, I'm probably not the right person to speak on that because I'm not a uh, I'm not as familiar with the other uses. Well, that's why I'm curious you know? what your th- thoughts are on it because I think it's it's interesting to hear your thoughts as a as a neophyte mm-hmm. as somebody who's not like stuck on the way that they've done time travel in the past yeah because each time i've seen them use time travel it's been a little different 
mm-hmm. in the limited instances that I've uh, seen the the trope used um, in this franchise. And I appreciate that there's different ways to do it. Um, it's not just the one way. You know, mm-hmm. you don't just have the TARDIS taking you where you, you need to go, right? Yeah. Uh, and I guess technically falling through the cracks of time is another way to do it in the Doctor Who universe. But the TARDIS is the main way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the DeLorean is the main way uh, for time travel in Back to the Future. The, the hot tub in Hot Tub Time Machine, you know? <laughs> But in yeah. but in Star Trek, you have many different ways that you can accomplish yeah. uh, the time travel, you know, um, and I like that, you know, like there's not just one, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Yeah. Uh, this does go back to their favorite, I will say. Oh, this is, oh yeah. This is the most consistent. That uh, that Q does it. <laughs> oh no, the slingshotting around the sun thing. Oh oh, got you, got you. Yeah. Uh, that is also how they did it in uh, Star Trek Four. Ah, yes. The the incredible Star Trek Four, which eventually we will do with Stella Cheeks. Is that the one on with the whales? Show. That is the one with the whales. Aha. It's incredible. And you asked about references. They put a reference to Star Trek Four into this show. Oh, with the uh, uh, the dude in the bus, right? The punk on the bus. Yeah. That. It's the same guy, uh, and I learned recently that not only is it the same guy, he wrote the song. Oh? For the original and the reprise of the song that they played on this one. That's a fun fact. He is both the punk and the artist uh, featured. (laughs) Cool. Which, yeah, which is fun. Um I thought it was a little unnecessary, but I wasn't mad about it at all. <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like that that's that's a lot of these new things that have come about because of streaming services. Like, I don't think we really needed an Obi-Wan series, right? Oh, oh, disagree. Hard disagree. Yeah? I needed this. I needed this more than even I knew. It's so good. No, like, it's... great i love it don't get me wrong don't misconstrue me here like i don't know like it it just seemed like we knew where he was going uh Mm. but i i did um i do love ewan mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi so i'm very happy that we finally got this show um but just like if we didn't get the show we got a pretty good idea of what happens to old ben that's fair. We 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 know his story for the most part. Yeah. So, this it, it's great that it exists, but it it doesn't have to. Like, and and the same thing here. You know, uh, I don't necessarily think that Picard uh, needs to exist, but I'm glad that it does. Mm-hmm. Definitely on board with it. I'm 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 a fan of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah please please give me more of it thank you yes and unfortunately uh, we're only getting the one more season only one more yeah but i mean I, which brings me back to i wonder where they're going with it right because we are in the avengers age now where you know you can run multiple simultaneous stories and interconnect them all and have them cross over and 
all of that stuff. I can't imagine that they're going to let characters like like Elnor and uh, and Kore um, go after this season after this series is is concluded. Okay, There's... here's my pitch. Uh, okay. At the end of Picard season three, there's uh, moments of a backdoor pilot for a show starring Worf. And all the people we like from Picard end up on, on Worf. I've ship. heard some noise about a Captain Worf show. Oh yeah, that's a real thing. Uh huh. Uh, I've heard. I don't know how reliable it is, but I've heard some noise about it, and I I want it to be true. So I'm not checking it. What What if Elnor uh, hangs out with uh, with what Worf? If Elnor, I I mean, what if Worf gets to be captain of the Excelsior? There you go. We've just established that Rafi has put herself on the Excelsior so she can watch over Elnor. Mm -hmm. Seven of Nine could be there. There are ways it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. We can get there together. Heck, you could put Seven of Nine in a different ship. That way you don't have to get Jerry Ryan in every week. Yeah. I want you to get out Jerry Ryan in every week, but I understand that Jerry Ryan may not be down for that. Right. Uh, <laughs> I get the sense she might have some other stuff going on. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> uh, um, so Ansel, as a as a long yeah. time Star Trek fan, uh, would you say that Star Trek Picard is worth your time? For me, Star Trek Picard was absolutely worth my time. I have enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I really think that they did something special here, especially putting in this time travel element especially putting in the the alternate timeline that has elements of the mirror universe while still being distinct from the mirror universe uh, the little nods that were there just for us uh, as well as just this phenomenal new area of storytelling that we've not seen from Star Trek before uh, yeah Without question, this has been without worth my time. And um, I respect the other Star Trek fans who aren't into it, but uh, I am. I very much am. <laughs> They're making it for you, Ansel. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I'm right here and, uh, and nom, nom, nom. Give me more, please. <laughs> take take my Paramount Plus subscription money. Uh forever and ever how about you as a as a relatively new star trek fan what uh, would you say that this was worth your time yeah you know picard was the reason why i ended up getting into star trek and i'm glad that they went into these long undiscussed elements of the character you know mm -hmm. uh sir patrick stewart is a is a gem you know he's phenomenal and i think we should appreciate him while we have him you know like as much as possible as much as he would like to participate you know <laughs> yeah uh yeah keep, way to put it keep bringing him back as long as he wants to be brought back you know um because both of these seasons have been very enjoyable for me even if i didn't know everything going on i still got mm -hmm. the, the gist of it um, and I'd wager that now when you go back and watch more Star Trek, 
you're going to pick up things that they put down in Picard later. Sure. You know, yeah. now now you get that reference going the other direction. Right. It's still there for you. There, There's a whole universe out there still to be explored. There's years and years of material for you to take in. <laughs> Listen, I still haven't watched the latest series of Barry yet because I'm not emotionally ready. So... <laughs> So who knows? So it may be a minute. Yeah, so who knows when I'll actually get around to the rest of Star Trek. Fair enough. Hey, you know, like when I started watching Doctor Who, I just stuck with uh, the stuff that I was into, you know? I haven't gone back into classic Who, really. Um, although I do no need. feel like I have a weird fascination with the Eighth Doctor um, that most people don't share. <laughs> eighth doctor the 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 one short uh the the movie doctor that guy that guy because uh during the 50th anniversary when they did that like mini sode uh with his regeneration i i really liked that but also i like paul mcgann's charisma you know i wish we got more of him uh and then finding out that there's a ton of audio dramas starring the eighth doctor so much um so in that little you know mini so they they tied some of that in and made a canon which i thought is fun you know it was nice i i like easter eggs sometimes you know so so having stuff like that uh even though i wasn't really involved in the fandom like that um prior to to, I, to I also have a problematic favorite doctor, so I feel you. Is it? Um, don't tell me. Is your problematic fave doctor uh, David Morrissey? <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's John Hurt, uh, and he's only problematic because we will never get more. Oh well, he has some audio dramas too. Does he? He does. With John Hurt? Yeah. <gasps> well, I know what I'm doing tonight. Yo, Big Finish is wild. Okay. Okay. Like, I'm, There's... I'm really curious about how much of Big Finish is canon. Because they go all out with some of their audio dramas. Like, oh, fans have been clamoring for more Torchwood. Here's Captain Jack and a bunch of uh, Torchwood uh, audio dramas. You want Dr. Donna? Yeah, here's Catherine Tate and David Tennant. And now, for the 60th anniversary, we're getting Tennant and Tate back together again. Well, shit. So. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Russell T is planning, but uh, looks like some big stuff. That's that's very cool. That's another thing we could have easily done a special episode on. We haven't talked about Doctor Who yet. <laughs> it's that'll be our next one. Yeah, I, that'll be our next one. And like this one, I am fairly uh, novice with the Doctor Who fandom as well. So same, same. I I've watched a fair amount of Doctor Who, but by no means all or even a lot of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I cannot pretend to be a, a diehard Whovian. Um, uh, but. 
that's for another time. Ha Party people, thank you for joining us on this very special episode of Time to Party. Just another reminder that this month we are taking a break. Like I said before, I'm probably on a train right now while you're listening to this. If you're listening to it while it, when it dropped. Yeah. I'm just looking at oceans and stuff. Re- reading on trains. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, we all deserve a break, especially Ansel. He puts up with all my bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) We both deserve breaks, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's going to be a good month. We're taking, we're taking a little time, but not so much time because we'll be back in July with new episodes. But you can find us on the internet. I am at Indecisionist on Twitter and at The Indecisionist on Instagram. I am at bsilverio20 on Instagram and Twitter. This has been an Indecisionist production. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our amazing theme song. Yes. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can use the hashtag time to party. That is time the number two party. Until next time when we are reunited with your ear holes, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Oh, that's the wrong song again. <laughs> <laughs>